CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green, offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media. Enjoy an all-inclusive, luxurious resort lifestyle at Berwick Community's newest location, now underway in Parksville. Register at berwickretirement.com slash Parksville. Welcome to PQ Beat, a podcast of the Parksville Qualicum Beach News, the newspaper of record, both online and in print, for Parksville Qualicum Beach and the surrounding communities. Visit us online at pqbnews.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to PQ Beat. I'm Philip Wolf, editor of the Vancouver Island Free Daily and the PQB News. It seems like only yesterday that BC was on the world map as host of the 2010 Winter Olympics and Paralympics. Whether it was Sidney Crosby's golden goal, the Canadian women's hockey team also winning gold, or watching Wayne Gretzky carry the Olympic torch, the event still evokes a host of memories for Canadians. Now, another bid is underway to have the province host the 2030 Winter Olympics and Paralympics. Joining us to talk about that is a Canadian sports administrator who oversaw the 2010 Games and who was president and CEO of the 2010 Vancouver Olympic Organizing Committee, Welcome, John Furlong. Thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Recently, there was a meeting between uh, bid proponents and Mid-Island officials, including First Nations representatives, mayors, tourism officials, and more. And the 2030 bid envisions a regional games with sports events being held across the province, including Vancouver Island, setting the BC bid apart and bringing benefit to more communities. Can you tell us a little, even though it's very early in the process, about that meeting and what it might mean for the island? Well, basically, the concept is a complete departure from the concept that you saw live out uh, in 2010. We essentially have done a a sort of a a big switch uh, when the idea came up that we might uh, try to repeat uh, the Olympics in 2030. The initial thinking was, let's just use the existing Olympic plan that we had because it's been tried and tested. So as we started to think about it and um, and think about you know what how people might react to that, our initial feeling was that you know most of British Columbians would probably react to repeating 2010 with that doesn't that just seem to be providing the same benefit to the same people all over again? And so we thought that, well, there's a chance for us to do more good in 2030 if we decided to proceed with this. The initial idea, by the way, for this came from the media and from community leaders who were simply asking questions as we were getting ready to celebrate the 2010 Games about, could we do this again? And the answer to that question is easy. Yeah, you know, you, you could do it again because we have all the facilities. They're world-class. Some are the best in the world. We have a good track record. Uh, you know, the, the general feedback and feeling post-2010 has been extremely positive, and the impacts on business and, and on tourism, et cetera, and on national identity and morale have all been good. So we started to look at the idea of, well, if we're going to do it again, you know, how far could we take it? And then um, as we were thinking about it and people reacting to it in, in very positive ways, COVID came. And when COVID came, it just didn't seem appropriate for us to be talking about this when communities were struggling, trying to figure out, you know, what they're going to do next, how they're going to manage this, what was coming, the uncertainty and the, you know, the whole feeling in the country just changed. We were all in a completely different place. So our little group of people who are all former Vanock executives stood down to think a little bit more about the idea. And in many ways, COVID for this project was a bit of a blessing in the sense that 
we started to look at it very differently. And we started to think, well, maybe not only can we do it again and expand it again, maybe this can become one of those very rare projects that comes along, perfect timing, and has a huge impact uh, beyond just the games. It could be an economic driver, have high impacts on tourism, you know, bring communities together, do things for the province that we've never been able to do in all of our history. And so as we were thinking about it, we thought, well, maybe we can, we can really spread this out. The IOC's rules have changed. They're dramatically different than they were for 2010, where you were required to have a compact project. Today, though, the IOC would look at this and say, you know, if it works for you, it'll likely work for us. They want to leave a positive legacy. They want it to be good for the economy and good for tourism and so on and so on. So we started to look at the province and ask ourselves, how far could we go? We also started to evaluate what's out there, you know, what communities have uh, today in the way of facilities, what their plans might be and what their thinking is over the next 10 years. And we thought maybe the, the perfect idea for BC is to simply, you know, build a completely different idea around the credentials we established in 2010 and present ourselves to the IOC in a very different way and try to get government support for that. So we, we started this conversation with the province and with other levels of government to talk about whether this regional approach could work and whether communities would be excited about it. This is something that they could have an opportunity to play host in. And we're not talking about, you know, just being a venue community, but being a joint host for the staging of the 2030 Olympic and Paralympic Winter Games. We laid this out as the pandemic was beginning to sort of move into another gear and we were beginning to sort of get back talking to, to governments and communities about the project. We laid this out as an idea and communities just stood up and said, we want to talk. And so we've had a number of conversations with, with communities uh, since this, and it's very exciting uh, for us to hear, see this. And it appears that all across the province, there is a desire to participate. So essentially what it is, is we're saying that we, we have an Olympic plan we have to deliver. It has to be delivered at the highest level. And we're looking at communities and asking them, do you see yourself participating in this? Do you see yourself as potentially being a host of this? And in what way? And what do you think that you can do to make this plan greater than it already is? The reaction has been enormously positive. The meeting that we had recently in Nanaimo, there was give or take about 20 community leaders led by the mayor, incredible optimism and spirit and ideas. And so now the community is going to start thinking about the Olympic plan, Nanaimo's own plans, and how it might be able to take advantage of this and become a major force in helping to deliver what they could possibly deliver for a games strategy. So that's kind of, you know, been roughly what happened. So at a high level, and what we hope would happen for communities who participate in this and who somehow find a way to be a partner in this, that the benefits would be they become an Olympic host city, that there would be long-term benefits for tourism, that there would be long-term benefits for sport, there would be long-term benefits for Aboriginal engagement, that there would be economic benefits in that in each community there would be new jobs, uh, all the volunteers would be local, all the workers would be local, security would be local, um, the whole thing would be local, um, all connected to an organization that's delivering this. Something very exciting in ways that we would never have contemplated before. So what might it mean for the island and what are some potential venues and cities that might be especially involved? 
Well, we have not made a determination about how the island might see itself playing out in this, but we believe that communities like Victoria and Nanaimo and the Upper Island are probably thinking about the best facilities they have and the facilities they might have by 2010 and thinking about whether they would meet the standard to be able to stage Olympic events. So... These communities now know what the Olympic plan looks like. They know what the events are. They will be thinking about, you know, what it is they think they would be ideally suited to be part of. They'll also be looking at the economics, uh, tourism advantages and so on, and trying to come together with an overriding plan that will have a long-term benefit for the community far beyond the sport. What we want to try to do is to let every community dream. If you said to us today, you know, draw the plan, Uh, we could probably draw up a plan or two or three plans. But what we want to do first is hear from communities about how they would like to participate to see if, in fact, they have what we need for the, to be able to uh, meet the requirements to stage the Olympics and start a conversation and see where, where, where this goes. There might be communities, for example, that have facilities that are not quite at the level But their plans, their current plans, see these facilities improving over time so that by the time 2030 comes around, they actually are there and could deliver a, a very exciting part of this program. So that's the stage we're in. We've heard people talk about skiing on the North Island. We've heard people talk about curling and hockey and others. But at this stage, communities really need to do this work on their own and make a determination and make that pitch about what it is they feel that they would be ideally suited to do, recognizing that there may be more than one community wanting to do the same thing. So we may, this may become a process of bartering and negotiation as we go along to get to uh, a final plan. Our goal when we started this was to take the 2010 plan, which was staged in three communities, and stretch it to eight or nine communities so that the whole province can feel like we were in this together. The province is broken down into traditional regions, and we see a path to being able to function in all of those regions in some way. To what extent uh, is still to be determined. You've mentioned that over the past 25 years that if you've learned anything, you've learned that if you put the word Olympic in front of anything, it tends to make it bigger. Why is that? Uh, well, because I think, you know, first of all, the Olympic Games are the biggest event on the planet. There is nothing that takes more from you to stage than the Olympic Games. It is an enormous project. It requires a tremendous visioning, energy, participation, engagement. It brings all of the sectors of society together. When I think back to 2010 and from where we started in the mid-90s to where we delivered the Games in 2010, everyone, by the time the Games were delivered, had a 2010 plan. Everyone had a 2010 strategy. So it just creates a bigger discussion. Sometimes it's a discussion about finances. Sometimes it's a discussion about scope and size and all of the things that the Olympic Games conjure up. You know, in a few weeks, we're going to see the Olympic Games open in Japan, and we're going to see again what the biggest event in the world looks like. And so it just creates this sense of huge and enormous and high impact, and the potential to do things around the Games are formidable. I mean, if you think back to 2010, when we submitted our credentials to the IOC in Prague, we did not have a plan for a new convention center. We did not have a plan for a new train from the airport. We did not have a plan to upgrade the airport. And all of these things became the focus of government post being awarded the Games. The Games caused people to have discussions. You know, sort of the world is coming. What do we want to look like when they get here? What state do we want to be in? And so what happens is that it causes people to dream big, think big, and think about how much you can achieve while you have an opportunity like this. 
One thing that to think about when the, the games are on, they're viewed in 200 countries in the world. They're on the international agenda for seven or eight years. You tend to be profiled around the world on your own terms for an extended period of time. So the advantages for tourism and business are obvious. So it is big. And this is a chance for communities to be able to engage in something that's you know, far bigger than ourselves and derive the greatest possible benefit and legacy from that that you can. Local First Nations were a key and active 2010 Games partner, having participated in all aspects of games bidding, delivery and governance. How will they be involved for 2030? We see this expanding. I mean, the partnership we had with First Nations was them full partners. I mean, it's remarkable, but at the opening ceremonies, the chiefs of the four host nations were treated as heads of state. And so we see this expanding, and we see bringing together the relationships that exist today between First Nations and communities to become part of this, so that First Nations are contributing, benefiting, partnering, you know, one of the great things about First Nations in this country is it's a difference maker for a project like ours because it's not something that another country gets to bring to the discussion. I mean, if we're bidding against Spain or Switzerland or Austria or Germany, this is not part of what they can present to the IOC. So we see First Nations engagement as an, an enriching part of the proposal. So when you look at it that way, the amount of good that we can do through this with First Nations is as far as you want to dream. And so we see what happened in Vancouver happening in all of the communities that ultimately become part of the plan. And we think that's very exciting and will leave it a very powerful legacy. I mean, when people look back at 2010, and this is not just in Canada, but around the world, they marvel at that partnership and how strong and positive it was. And, you know, it's really hard to look back at 2010 and not remember the engagement of First Nations in all of the events of the Games, all across the Olympic Theatre. The plan for 2030 is that the Games will be 100% private sector funded and deliver a modest surplus. How will you achieve that? For the Olympic Games of 2010, the actual operations of the Games were 91% private sector funded. So we believe that we can achieve 100% private sector funded because, first of all, we're doing it, we'd be doing this for the second time. So there's already all kinds of economies that we can achieve because we've done it. We have the planning work behind us. Uh, there's a lot of things that we did in 2010 that, were, that cost significant amounts of money that we will not have to do again, which essentially reduced the, the, the cost to deliver the game. So the feeling that we can achieve our, that objective with private sector funding is actually a much easier task than had we tried to do that in, tw in 2010. On the capital side, we have the facilities. We're basically saying in this plan, we are not willing and we're not asking for senior levels of government to invest in facility development. We have facilities to deliver the games. This does not mean that communities like Nanaimo, Victoria, Prince George, Kelowna, Kamloops may not, in their own discussions with government for their own facilities, be asking about you know, how to develop what they need to be part of this. But this is not something that we're going to be putting in play because facilities exist today to deliver this plan. But what we hope is that communities can use this as a way to achieve a longer-term agenda for the community in terms of their facilities and at the same time become a partner in the what will be the biggest event in their history. And so all of this together is financially is a much more optimistic project than if you go back to 2010 where the big worry and the debate all the way up to 2010 was, you know, were we going to be able to afford to do this? Would it leave a deficit, which it didn't? So this time around, we see this as a, a step up 
on what we were able to achieve in 2010. Now, you've noted that the current pandemic has brought with it untold challenges and great uncertainty for businesses and everyone else. Could the timing of this Olympic Paralympic initiative provide any type of needed spark? COVID may in actual fact have given this project a lift up. When you think about where we're going for the moment and for the foreseeable future, it seems like it's all on government to help us recover. And so with a project like this that comes with $2 billion of its own operating funds and th those funds being leveraged by the private sector to the tune of another billion to a billion and a half, all of this money would be coming into the province from private sector sources and into the economy at a time when there are no projects. I mean, the rest of the community is just kind of getting up off the ground. And so we see this as a way to inspire confidence bring hope, to be sort of a beacon of a better future. And, and so we think that COVID in a way has not just kind of opened up that opportunity, but it also, we've been through a period where we've been dealing with massive adversity. And I think we've altered the way we think. And I think some of the lessons of COVID we will use going forward in terms of how we address the various things that happen to a project like this going forward. So whereas it's not been a fun experience and none of us would have wanted it, we think that it will make us a better organization going forward uh, for it. And it has opened up this window to the idea that we can help using the games, recover the economy to inspire you know, communities to invest locally as opposed to just in one place. So if you go back to, again, to what we, were, what we were talking about earlier, that the jobs will be in local communities, volunteers will be in local communities, security will be organized in local communities, and these will be legacies for the future. What happens on the facility side, we don't know, but we do know that communities have plans and how far they will go because of this, we don't know, but we suspect it will be far. In many ways, there's a bit of a silver lining there for the project, just because of the nature of what COVID has done to the way we think. In, in terms of the legacy of the 2010 games, how might 2030 extend that, given some of the lessons that you've learned since? Well, this is, of course, the goal. If we had said at 2010, not only are we going to deliver the games and have a legacy for 20 years of great, wonderful, world-class facilities, but 20 years later, we're going to do it again and extend that legacy another 10, 20, 30 years into the future. All of us would have went, you, we would have, first of all, not believed that you could do it, but now we're saying that you can do it, except that we will be expanding the legacy to include more. You know, I used to get asked a lot after, you know, what were the big complaints about 2010? And what used to happen often is we would be in communities for, you know, various reasons, and we would always hear, you know, we feel like we're spectators, and it's great and we're looking forward to coming. But the benefits are really in the lower mainland, which tends to happen in big projects in BC. We won't be saying that this time in the sense that we will be, everyone will be hosting. And so the traffic will be in every direction. The whole province will be profiled as a tourism region of the world. I think we all believe that the words beautiful British Columbia actually apply to the whole province. And this will be a way to kind of showcase that. To all. So all of that is going to be in play as a potential legacy. So when people come to British Columbia post-games, it will be a more of a gateway opportunity than arriving to see what they saw on TV. I mean, British Columbia is as big as Germany, France, and Great Britain combined. It's big, it's beautiful, and this will open the province up to that international profiling that we all dream about but think we'll never be able to get. You have your own connection to Vancouver Island. You were the Nanaimo Regional Director of Parks and Recreation from 1979 to 1987. What do you remember most from that time? 
Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, when we were talking at our meeting the other day, I have a great recollection of us mounting a bid for the Canada Games. First of all, I love my time there, and I have family there today. My, I have a daughter in Nanaimo who's a dentist. I have a son who's a teacher, and they regularly remind me of my obligations to continue to be do good for Nanaimo if I can. But, you know, what, what I remember from when we bid for the Canada Games, I remember, first of all, gathering as a community and asking ourselves, is this is something that we saw ourselves doing? And we came up with the most extraordinary plan for the Canada Games. And we competed head-to-head -head with Kamloops, who were ultimately awarded the Games. But what was extraordinary about the Nanaimo bid was the facility promise that came with that bid. I don't know if any of you remember it, but we, we had built into that plan a, the most extraordinary swimming pool development up in Bevan Park and other facilities. And the community, I would say, there was not a citizen in Nanaimo who was not engaged in that effort. And when the Canada Games Council came to Nanaimo to look at Nanaimo, I, I think we made their job of trying to decide where the games were going to go almost impossible. The community rallied together in ways you can only, only something like this can do. So to me, it was a lesson in what a community can do when it decides it wants something badly enough. We wanted that project. We fought hard for it. There was a lot of reasons why we probably didn't get it, but the quality of the bid and the effort people made and the community building that went on, the spirit, the legacy of that was extraordinary. When we were having our conversation with the community the other day, I said, you know, this is what this can do. This can cause you to think differently, come together in ways that you don't typically have an opportunity to do. And so I see that and in other communities in the province as a real asset to be explored and exposed. And so I'm very excited about what might happen if communities get a chance to be part of this, that they will add something that this won't be just us sharing the games with regions of the province, but making the project dramatically more powerful than it would be if we went back and did it the way we did it in 2010. And lastly, John, why is another Olympic bid for BC so important to you personally? Well, first of all, I, I would say I had never had the intention to pursue this again. I mean, we were essentially, as this started, celebrating 2010, and the, you know, we're all proud of what happened and so on and so forth. But we're in a situation today, and when the question got asked of us last year, could you do this again? And, you know, yeah, you could do it again. And But the, the real question is, should you do it again? Should you do it again is a different question, because it begs you to have a real good reason. When we started to think about it was the reason to do this is the amount of good we could do and the amount, the, the, what we could contribute to the future of the province and community building across the province. So for me, this is really more about, and, and all my colleagues at, at Vanock who are, who are all engaged in this, we all want to try to put this opportunity at the disposal of where the province is going, to help the province come out of the period we're in and to contribute to that in, in as many ways as we can. And we want to do that because we know it's possible. And so we're in a unique position of having done that before. Um, it's an incredibly difficult job. It will leave a powerful legacy. The road ahead will not be easy. But for me, I think when you have an opportunity like this, you're almost obligated to step up and do what you can. The province, I think, for the next number of years is going to need all the help it can get to get back to where we were before COVID came. Uh, so I think really it's more a feeling of this, you know, we need to do this because we have the ability to do it and not us who's going to. But I think this feeling on our team is, you know, this is something that we should try to do uh, given the amount of good that we can do if we were able to pull it off. John, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure.
That's this edition of PQ Beat, produced by the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Thank you for joining us. If you have suggestions for topics or guests, we would like to hear from you. You'll find our contact information on our website, pqbnews.com. Brought to you by Berwick Community's newest location, underway in Parksville. Enjoy an unparalleled standard of living with all of the comforts of home and so much more. Register at berwickretirement.com slash Parksville.